All right, let's get into this new series. Y'all ready? Who saw that we were doing this? Anybody see it on Facebook? Who went ahead and read all of Galatians? Nobody. Uh, good. Um, but I'd encourage you to read it beginning to end. And um, we're probably not going to take this as slow and methodical as I have in the past. And we've been in books where we've literally taken sometimes two or three verses at a time and worked our way through it. But this is such an important message. And, and here's, here's what I think is going to happen. Here's one of my heart that's going to happen this week. Some of you are going to be challenged. Some of you, your, your thoughts about salvation and church and Christianity are going to be challenged by the truth that's in this book. This idea of freedom through Christ, which is just the ultimate, this is the theme of the book of Galatians, which was a letter that was written by Paul um, to some churches in the, the, the region of Galatia, which is now Turkey. It's modern-day Turkey. And he'd gone there, and he started churches, and some conflict popped up. And we're going to talk about that in detail uh, uh, over the next few weeks. Today, I'm going to give you kind of just a, uh, an overview of sorts and an introduction, and we're not going to dig too deep into it. I just want us to understand uh, some things. Who wants that as their new next bass boat? I had, I had some communication after last week. I had one text that said you had to mention a bass boat. Y'all remember last week? And then, and then we had other people saying, you hit me right in the face. And I said, I was just thinking, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't really mean to do that. Um, oh, and the other thing, I had lots of people say, Went, went to bed and said, I didn't know you, you get Botox. <laughs> so, you know, I, I worry every week when I get up here about the words that are going to come out of my mouth. You know, th this is going um, uh, how many years? Six years every Sunday. 52 times 6. 312 times I've got to be and talk 30 to 40 minutes. Whew, that's scary. Imagine getting putting all those words out in front of everybody every week. Uh, but that was one of those. I didn't go back and listen to it. I don't think I said that. I think what I was saying uh, was that as a woman, she felt the pressure of perfection. All right? The pressure of perfection. And I didn't say it was wrong to get Botox. I said the pressure of perfection becomes an idol. Right, of what everybody else is doing and how they're doing it and what they're doing it. So do you want me to tell you whether she gets Botox or not? Where are you at? She's not even in here. This is weird. I'm talking about it. It doesn't matter. Does it matter? doesn't matter. I feel like I should say one way or the other. I'm just going to leave you all hanging. You know, go ask her. Um, this boat, you would, who would want it as their bass boat? So that's the thing. That's the next one. That's my dream. I've got that bookmarked on my phone. I've got a savings account named Little Aluminum Ragtag Kayak. Uh, this, is a, this is a kayak that's in a museum, uh, in the Mariner's Museum in Newport News, Virginia. 
And this is a Mariner's Museum, and there's lots of other Navy boats, like, I mean, incredible boats there, and here's this thing sitting uh, in the middle of it. Uh, and, 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 it and there's a, a plaque there that talks about it and why it's there. Because uh, in 1966, there were a couple, uh, literally a couple, uh, in Cuba. Uh, a man named Lorano and his wife, Consuelo. And they decided, he was just a mechanic, and he decided, you know what, my life at risk on the Florida Straits is worth more when I see a potential of freedom at the end of it than the prison I'm living in in Cuba. And he began to just gather up scrap aluminum, and he hoarded it up, and he pieced together this, uh, this boat out of scrap metal. And, um, and, and he rigged up a small lawnmower engine, put it on the back of the kayak. After months of planning on a moonless night, they set out uh, in the, into the Straits of Florida with only their swimsuits on. They had enough food for, and water for two days. After 70 hours, the U.S. Coast Guard rescued them just south of the Florida Keys. Was it worth the risk? Lerano said, when one has grown up in liberty, you realize how important it is to have freedom. We live in the enormous prison, which is Cuba, where one's life is not worth one crumb, where one goes out into the street and does not know whether or not one will return because the political police can arrest you without any warning and put you in prison. Before this could happen to us, we thought that going into the ocean and risking death or being eaten by sharks is a million times better than to stay suffering under political oppression. When I say freedom in Christ, I want, I want you to imagine and kind of put yourself in, in, in Lerano's uh, aluminum kayak and I want you to imagine the feeling you would have when you stepped foot on the shores of Florida. Would you be thinking, this is a new life? <laughs> Would you be thinking, this changes everything? Can you imagine the attitude that you would have about life and the joy and the peace and how all of a sudden the little minuscule things that, that, that we get frustrated over when the Wi-Fi won't work or, or, you know, we wait in line at Texas Roadhouse longer than we'd like to, and how those things all of a sudden just dissipate when we think of the, the attitude and the mindset that Lorana would have had. And so I think about uh, us in our relationship with God. And I think Paul in this book lays out this, this, this very clearly that we should be uh, so ecstatic, so celebrate, like you've got things to celebrate. You've got this great reason to have joy in your life because of the freedom you have found in Christ. And so we're going to talk about what that freedom is. What does that mean? We're going to talk about salvation. We're going to talk about, I mean, we grew up in eastern Kentucky, most of us, or in the Bible Belt, and we've heard getting saved, you need to get saved, so-and-so got saved. We've heard that over, and anybody ever heard that before? Y'all don't raise your hands, do you? Y'all just lying by keeping your hand down. 
We're going to talk about what that means, how it happens, who's responsible for it. We're going to talk about what, what puts our eternal fate at stake, right? Being saved is, is heaven or hell. Paul says here in Galatians, let's read these few verses. Galatians 1.1, 1, 1. this letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus, this is the gospel right here. This is the good news. This is the real stuff. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to what? Rescue. To rescue us. From this evil world in which we live. This is Paul writing. All glory to who? God. Whose plan was this? God the Father. Who gave his life? Jesus. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. And then Paul says this. Because here's what happened. I want to tell you this little illustration. You've heard the saying. You can catch more flies with what? Honey instead of vinegar there's something though you can do that's really mean is as you can use an artificial sweetener okay and the flies don't know the difference except the artificial sweetener when they eat it it kills them and paul said this is what's happening in your church You've got, you've got these, this group called the Judaizers. That's a good name, isn't it? It sounds like out of a modern movie. You've got this group that, that is putting forward one gospel or good news, or this is how you get saved. This is, they're telling them how you get saved. And, 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 and these people know the scripture. They're leaders, they're esteemed. They are, they are, they're, they're Jewish leaders. They, they are profess Christ. But they're doing something wrong. They're, they're saying you are saved by grace and, and something. And so this is what Paul is saying. He said, I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. Here's what I want to say is that it is really uh, easy to be deceived by a different gospel. What we're going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to make sure if this church is going to grow, if God is going to move here, then we all got to agree on what the gospel is. The true gospel. The real good news that we found right here. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God planned so he could rescue us from this evil world. He said, but it is not the good news at all. It's not the gospel at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. So what, what, what was this group talking about? You can go to the book of Acts, and we're going to go there just for a second and see, man, what were they saying? What was so bad? What, how did they get this? So wrong, and I got to teach a little bit here so you understand who these people are and why. Uh, but I want you to see 
at the end of this how important this foundational principle is that we understand what it means to be rescued. Because understanding that, believing the truth behind that, is what transforms your life. <laughs> is what transforms your life. In Acts 15, let me see if I've got it up here. Yeah, Acts 15, verse 1, we can go to the story. If you're not familiar with the book of Acts, this is the story of the early church after Christ uh, was resurrected and he ascends. He goes back into heaven right at the beginning of this book. Luke wrote it, and he, he tells his disciples that, that are standing there watching him ascend into the sky. He says, why are you standing here looking at me? <laughs> You've got a world to change. Go to the ends of the earth. Make disciples. Tell people. Testify about Jesus. And you and I are the beneficiaries of that day. Somebody has continually gone generation after generation telling the story about Jesus. So Paul was uh, in one of his, his missionary efforts, and he had gone to, to Antioch, and he was in Galatia, and he had, he had taught them, he planted churches. And then we find in chapter 15, verse 1 of the book of Acts, it says, Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. And this blows Paul's mind up. Like he completely, he really does uh, lose it. It says in verse 2, it says, This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. They got into a, a, a basically a, 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 a actually healthy conflict in the church about some base principle of what are we going to believe? What are we going to stand on? This is a pretty important thing, how we tell people they get saved. And so what this group was doing, this was a group of, of, of Jews who had accepted Jesus as the Messiah. But this group Jewish, they were, they were a nation, but they were also a religion. And in their religion, they had all kinds of rules and laws and, and, and codes and things that were, and the base of them were the Ten Commandments. And then there was more after that and just kept expanding. And then they started making up their own, like the federal government with regulations. And like it just got completely out of control. And they had all these rules and laws they'd live by. And circumcision was one of those. That, that, that the Jews, in order to, to be faithful to God and be seen as saved and right with God, they had to be circumcised. It was just a ritual. God intended that ritual just to be a, a, a way to demonstrate what they had in their heart, but they took it the wrong way. And it became the thing that saved them. So they began going behind Paul as he was going out to, to these, these people who were not Jews and telling them about Jesus. And they were all believing in Jesus. They got saved. They were having church. They rented a spot downtown on Main Street. They were singing worship songs. And then here comes those people. All right, behind him. He says, y'all aren't really saved. You've got to be Jews first. You've got, you got to do this ritual first. You've got to do this thing first. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to follow the law of Moses. You've got to be a Jew before you can really be saved. And so this, this infuriates Paul. And so he goes back to Jerusalem where the, the leadership, the apostles of the early church, where they all are. And there's this great... Uh, Acts chapter 15 is 
a transformational chapter where something happens, where Paul goes to this council, the leadership of the church, and he says, guys, we got to figure out, or get our story straight. How do people get saved? Who saves people? And so he goes before the council in, this, in chapter 15 and in verse 13. This is Peter's response after they've went in, they've debated. And he comes out, and that's not it. I don't have it. I'm going to read it. It's Acts 15 and verse 11. Let me just read you everything he says, starting in verse 7. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? And then verse 11, no, exclamation point. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. That statement settled the debate, should have settled the debate in the church. And yet we still are confronted with a grace plus doctrine all around us. That we have to do something ourselves. Grace plus anything is wrong. Grace plus some ritual, right? Maybe, uh, maybe that there might be some that teach that salvation hinges on baptism. That you're not saved until you're baptized in water. You should absolutely get baptized. The Bible teaches that's the first step in obedience. But the water is not what saves us. By grace alone. Are we saved? Some ceremony, some, some, some uh, 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 like the ritual of being religious and going to church? Right? It says, yeah, but grace, but if you stop going to church, but if you don't go to church, you might go to hell. Or maybe um, uh, giving... If you're not giving enough, if you don't give, like that's a part of salvation. You've got to give your way in them. You buy your way in. I'm good. And, and so you can get confused either way. You can either get confused in yourself, say, well, I'm giving, so that's enough. There's no work that can get you into heaven. Let me read you just a little bit about grace. To go deeper, we need to define terms. Grace in Greek is charis. A beneficent disposition towards someone, favor, grace, gracious care, or help, goodwill. 
In Paul's defining passages, grace is favor shown to a person by the benefactor unilaterally. That means God gives grace regardless of whether you earn it. You can't earn it. It's not grace if you earned it. If you earn salvation, it's not grace. It's not a gift. You can't earn it. That is not on the basis of the recipient being especially worthy, but based solely on the benefactor's desire, on God's desire. Thus, one of the characteristic flavors of cherish or grace is favor that is neither earned or deserved. It is free from any kind of influence by the recipient of the grace. Y'all, I grew up here in these, uh, these difficult doctrinal debates and discussions. All right, you, you've, you, if nobody's heard these, that's all right. But I've heard things like, can somebody divorce? And then we go to the Bible and we start looking for the things and we, we, we start leaning. All right, y'all got to bear with me just for a minute. We start leaning toward the rules and the laws. And then we, then we get deeper and we say, well, I mean, they can probably divorce. And the, 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 the problem I have with these statements are the, the can they. Or, or can they remarry? Well, we've got to go back and see why they got a divorce. And, 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 uh, and then, and then if, if there's certain reasons, you said it was okay to, to remarry. Here, here's the problem is, is when we do what... What these Judaizers were doing in verse 1, when, when we hinge salvation on those things. When we say, well, and I've known people, I've known, I know churches, I know Christian leaders that say, if you have been divorced and you're remarried, you can never go to heaven. So does that mean if I get married and I stay married my whole life, that's what gets me to heaven? I think should is a different conversation. Should somebody divorce and should somebody remarry? And is it going to be sin? Yeah, it might be, it might be sin. But listen, nobody is perfect. You, you don't get to heaven by being perfect. And sin obviously creates chaos and dysfunction. And it affects you and it impacts and there's consequences. But this is not what salvation is hinged on. And you can get distracted really quick, just like this church in Galatia. He says, why so soon? I mean, I just told you the good news. Jesus saved you. You're free from the law. And all of a sudden, you're going back. You listen to this one group that says, go back and do this or that. And now you're over here scared. If you don't do that, you're not going to be saved. You have freedom. What's that song? Like, like you should be dancing. You should be celebrating like David in the streets. You have freedom from that law, from those rules and all those things. That, that is not you anymore. Now listen, something happens. Something happens with grace. When it is combined with a key to freedom called faith. 
When you, when you hear the good news about Jesus Christ, that, that he came, he was crucified, he was resurrected, and, and that he died for our sins, and, and you feel the burden over that, and you repent over that, and you believe it, that, like, I, I don't just believe he's a good teacher. I believe that man was God, and I believe he was resurrected, and I believe that. In that moment, in your heart, when you believe it, you are set free. Now, what did Paul say in 5.13 that I read earlier? Well, don't use your freedom just to start sinning. In other words, you could. Yeah, you could sin. But when you become a new creation in Jesus Christ, when he says, I've made all things new, when he said, I'm renewing your heart and your mind. You don't have to go out and try to be good. I'm going to make you good. You've invited me into your heart. I'm in control now. You're going to mess up. You're not going to be perfect. But if you are truly saved, you're not going to wake up every day and say, how close can I get? How much sin today can I get into without going to hell? Because you've got a new heart. And there will be people who will distract you from that, who will lie to you about that, who, who will make you feel uh, inadequate, impossible, not good enough, too messed up to get saved, too much, uh, too much uh, uh, addiction, too much sin, too much, I mean, you lie, it could be a complete disaster. And you know what? It doesn't matter. And, and, and we had, I mean, we're dealing with difficult things. Even in this church, we had, I mean, this is just completely being honest. We had somebody walk in this church several weeks ago as a female. Walked out of this church while I was preaching and came back in with a wig off. Okay, I mean, this happened, right? This here, this is, this is difficult. And, and we, had, we had some people that said that person needs to stay at the homeless shelter. And I thought, how, how do we, how do we sh is the good news like you've got to do this, 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 and this? Or is the good news Jesus Christ died for your sins? It, it, is, is the good news all you've got to do is believe that? You don't have to get the external. We're good at scenery here. Like, we're good at putting on the show and the image. You don't have to get, like, you don't have to go try to get all that figured out and then come back. Like, God says, I change you from the inside out. So is the good news any different for that person as it is to me? There's good news. Like, you're, you're seeing... Yeah, it's broken your relationship with God, but there came one who didn't sin. There was one who became the ultimate perfect sacrifice. Who, you know, Jesus never said the word grace. When you are something, you don't have to say it. His very presence here, he embodied it. He became the definition of it. He didn't have to come. He didn't have to die for us. But he did. I heard the, so, so I heard those things about divorce, 
Man, I used to be scared of people with tattoos. Like, I remember the first time I met a guy. He was a, I mean, he was a Christian, a Christian band. And, uh, and I played music, and I was playing with him, and, and he had tattoos. And I thought, well, that's good. I mean, he's got saved. He ain't going to get any more tattoos. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, is that a mindset? Am I the only one that ever had that mindset? And one day, he was like, look at this, man. I got a new cross. And I was like, sinner. <laughs> Is he going to hell? What's going on here? I can't figure this out. Loved my grandmother. Loved my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather was an old regular Baptist preacher. Um, across, but I can remember my grandmother she would never go to the movies with us remember those things These are, and, and, and here's, here's what Paul's saying he didn't say circumcision was a bad thing he didn't say following the rules was a bad thing he said don't get ever, ever get confused that those are the things in which save you okay and so you're going to meet all kinds of people of different kinds of faith that are going to teach a lot of different things. And anybody that teaches you that anything that you have to do a thing or be a way to be saved is wrong. Paul has made this clear here. Now, he also makes it clear that we will bear fruit that aligns with our heart, that good will come out of us, but it's not of our own accord, and that we will be known by the fruit that we bear. But it's not our place to go around judging who is saved and who isn't saved. It's our job to go around and say, the good news is your life doesn't matter. If you believe in Jesus Christ, he is made away. Because here's, here's the thing. I'm scared that sometimes we get in the boat of good deeds of works, of, of giving, of church membership. When did I join the church? Oh, I joined the church. I'm okay. Anybody can join the church. You can lie to us, tell us you got saved. Anybody can join this church, the next church. It's not going to save you. I want you to look at your neighbor and shout, I'm free. Oh God, you all. Whoa. On the count of three, look at your neighbor and shout, I'm free. One, two, three. free. Do you believe it? Do you believe you're free from all the things you've... And some of this is going to hit you today. What that means. You're going to find more joy in your salvation today when that hits you and what that means. And out of that, when it really hits you, when that really sinks in, let me tell you what happens. This deep, indwelling uh, fountain of gratitude <laughs> that God saved you, that he died for you when you were yet a sinner. Like this, and out of that gratitude, you know what comes out? Good stuff, good deeds, good works. Man, I can't wait to get to church on Sunday because I'm going to worship the one that changed my life. 
that is different than I'm going to church because it's what I do and I do it and then I feel better and then I do whatever during the week and then I go to church on Sunday. It's a different mindset. If you're really saved, you just want to be in church. You want to be around other people who are church. And you say, you know what? I got all this money. I don't even care. Y'all can have it. You're giving it to charities. You're just giving more than you're keeping. And, and, and this comes out of the right heart. Okay? All I'm asking is that we would be a church. That when we put the lifeboat together, that we want to rescue people from an evil world. That that boat is Jesus. And in his grace alone. And you say, well, but people have to have faith. We got to have faith, and absolutely we do. You got to believe. And I believe you've got the capacity to choose whether you believe or not. But even those of you who have believed and put your faith in Jesus Christ, you know what Paul said in Ephesians? He said, we are saved by grace through faith. It is the what? The gift of God. Even your faith. So, so we don't, none of us can get high and mighty and say, well, I believed and they didn't. Even in your faith we got to see God as the sole provider, the sole rescuer of us from this evil world. When we find that freedom, you know what? We're not, we don't find freedom from our bad situations. We don't find freedom you know, from the difficulties of life. We don't find freedom from this world. We find freedom from ourselves, like that battle you fought, fought with yourself to do right or wrong. And we find freedom from sin, the penalty of it, the power of it. All of a sudden, God takes over our life. And guess what? We got eternity to look forward to. Like, we got heaven. We, I mean, this, we're really just a pilgrim. And when we see that freedom and hold on to it and dwell in it and celebrate it, when we've been on the boat of Jesus and we went through the Florida Straits and we get our feet on floor and we get in our feet in salvation, realize we have been rescued. I think if we could go back and sing Rescuer again that we sang this morning, maybe you have a, a, a better concept of what that means and why we shouldn't be able to sit still when we're singing that song. And we should just be so thankful and grateful for what God has done for us. God, we come to you today. We are so thankful. God, we do not want to mix things up in this important aspect of how you love us and how you save us. God, we want to get this right. We want to understand that you are the one that saves us. We, we know just like Lerano and his wife who, 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 who put out in the boat and they made it into freedom. How they never once said, man, I'd love to go back to Cuba. I would love to go back and be in prison. I wonder if I was going to die. I would love, uh, let us not say we want to go back and try to earn our salvation through the law and try to be good enough to please you. Let us always remember we cannot be good enough 
to believe you that only one thing pleases you, and that is our faith and belief in you. And through that, we, you grow this desire to be more and more like you. Because when we believe, if we really believe Jesus is God, then you know what we do? We make Jesus the center of our life. Everything he taught, we want to learn it. Everything he was, we want to be. And you put, you put that power through your Holy Spirit inside of every believer. God, I thank you that there's people here today I've been trusting you for a long time. God, there's people here today who's been putting and on top of that and trying to keep you happy and worried they might lose their salvation by something they've done. God, just pray you just breathe life into them right now, that they would see your love, your grace, your mercy. God, there are people here today who have been just churchgoers. They've never given you their heart. God, let this be the day that under your conviction, your guiding, your call, and your drawing, that they say, I think I believe in this man named Jesus. Let them profess that with their mouth and let their life never be the same. God, we pray that we'd be a church that celebrates grace and celebrates Jesus. And we know if we do that, You'll change our lives. You'll change our families. You'll change our neighborhoods. You'll change this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
something. He said, all you that sometimes that in life we just get burdened and overworn or worn down. But he was talking to people who were, the Jews who were trying to make God happy. He said, my yoke is not a burden. Come and find rest in my grace. Is what he was saying. song of all the redeemed let us live with the freedom the power that you have given us god let us learn over these next few weeks that paul says what we should use this freedom for is to love ourselves and love one another and god when we do that we live out the gospel god we create disciples and you change hearts change situations, break down strongholds, you free people from sin. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here today. Remember Tuesday night, uh, Bible study is canceled. We are having Wednesday night the mix. The kids are meeting, but adult Bible study is canceled this Wednesday night as well. Pray everyone has a blessed and wonderful week.